Hey, B. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Always. What's the one thing when we travel that we always make sure we find? Oh, coffee. You know, bad coffee makes my brain angry. And we've been a lot of places. We've had a lot of coffee. But when we're home, there's only one place that we get coffee from. Yeah. Hacienda Real in Costa Rica. We found this place when we were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a micro roastery using only Costa Rican beans. Their blend is a mix of Arabica and Peaberry. And if you don't know about Peaberry, you need to find out about it because mm. it is amazing. It takes all the bitterness out. All the bitterness out. And we place orders and it's shipped directly to our door. You can get light, medium, or dark roast. You can get ground. You can get whole bean. And it is roasted to order. So there is a date stamped on your coffee so you know when it was roasted and bagged. It's good for a year after you order it. And it is the best coffee that we have ever had. So click the link in our show notes or go to goldenbean.net and use the offer code COFCHR20 for 10% off your order. Hacienda Real. Keep your brain happy. Hey, Dante. Hey, B. Looking pretty smart in your undies. Thanks. I've been doing my deads. <laughs> oh, I can see that. But it's not just what's in them. It's what's on them. Oh yeah, I got on my smart-ass undies. They're not just super comfy. They've got cheeky motivations on them that keep me in the right state of mind. Oh yeah, like we could all use a little brain lift these days, am I right? They're also lovingly made from sustainable, low-impact materials. So we can love the planet and cover our asses all at the same time. Motivate your ass with smart-ass undies. Click the link in the show notes or on the Things We Love page on our website. And remember to enter the discount code CHEATINGONFEAR10 for 10% off your order. Smart ass undies. Cheeky and comfy. Hey everyone, I'm Dante. And I'm Beatrice. And this is Cheating on Fear. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. See, that's why you think you say it every time, because you do say it every time. Because I actually do say welcome back every time. No matter if I start or you start, it doesn't matter. I'm just welcoming. That's just who I am. You're welcome back, Dante. That's it. It's the like, welcome back, Mr. Cotter or something. Welcome back, Cotter. You're welcome back. Is that even too, are you even too young for that one? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I know it. I never saw it in first run. Oh, no? No. John Travolta was on that series. Did you know that? Was John Travolta in that? Yeah, he was. Was Freddie sw- Prince in that too? Freddie Prince. The re- the real Freddie Prince. Sorry, the first uh, Freddie Prince, actually, not Junior. That I don't think so. I don't. I think that was a different sitcom. Anyway, this has gone way off the rails. Wow, we right are forty seven seconds in, and it's already gone off the rails. But that's so, okay. It's it's okay because you know what? It's reflective of the kind of conversation we had today with Dr. Tom Murray. Thank you. We had him back again. We had him back because we, we love him so much. We love him so much. We had him again. Yeah. That's great. And how sure how is how is that reflective? How is that reflective of the conversation? We well, had just because we kind of went all over the place on the in the conversation, we covered we covered. Uh, I shouldn't say we went all over the place. We covered a lot of ground in our conversation with Dr. Tom Murray. I learned a lot in this podcast, or I will learn a lot. In I this always podcast. learn a lot from him. He's amazing. He really is. So this week we talked about highly sensitive persons, HSPs. Yeah, what it's like to be one. What it's like to be with one mixed relationships some of the ways that 
HSPs show up in the world yeah. and some other types of temperaments and how those overlap with HSPs. And, and not to be super selfish, but I was interested in it because I turned Spoiler out to be alert. an HSP and he is an HSP you're and not Dante just, is not. You're not just... An HSP. You know what? We'll cover it in the episode. We'll cover it. Oh my god! I can't wait! I can't wait to hear where that conversation is going. Where that comment is going. Anyway, I know a lot of you told us how much you enjoyed our first episode with Dr. Murray, and it was always the intention to bring him back. Yes. And I still don't think this will be the last time. No, no. Because he's such a delight. We want to bring him everywhere. We do want to bring him everywhere. So enjoy the episode. Enjoy everyone. All right, and we're welcoming back to the show, Dr. Tom Murray. It's so nice to see you again. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> you said you were happy today. Happier than what? As a puppy with two Peters. Woohoo! <laughs> it, that's awesome. I love, I love that. I, there's Dr. Murrayisms that are just invaluable to right. the narrative. Yeah. So, so there was just a little mishmash of things that we wanted to speak with you about, but something that's very timely that I noticed on your Instagram page, you, you put a lot of really valuable, broad, usable relationship advice. And I think just, to, just as much as everybody is trying to in this, in this space, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of people out there trying to make their content stand out. And so we're all trying to look for things that are easy for people to remember. And so your tiles would always have right at the top, hashtag just the tip. And it was like just the tip Tuesdays and, and those kinds of, and then there would be a lot of really valuable, pertinent relationship advice or things to think about. With that cheeky wordplay. With that cheeky wordplay. And recently, something happened with that. What happened with that? Yeah, I got a Facebook private message from presumably someone who follows me on Instagram. And they said that they found that that hashtag was offensive um, and that it triggered for them this awareness that a lot of women have been told that or pressured into sex under the guise of, hey, just the tip, you know, mm. referencing the tip of the, the penis. Mm -hmm. And that it is, uh, you know, an element that can occur within the context of sexual assault, and that therefore it was inappropriate and offensive. And of course, uh, as was mentioned, I just thought, you know, it was cheeky and just a way to uh, stand out. But it is, it was a, it was a artifact, I think, of my own privilege as a, as a male that it never dawned on me that would be taken to be offensive. And once that, you know, the, the, the old saying that people of privilege can't see their own privilege, uh -huh. right? It has to be called out to them. And so when that was uh, brought to my attention, then, you know, I consulted with a colleague and, and the ultimate decision was to remove it and to honor that if, if that is something that is triggering for people, particularly within a context that certainly makes sense to me, that uh, it's not relevant to the brand, if you will. Right. And, and that, I think when I read that, I was just like, oh, I, anyone who knows you or knows what you're about would never take that the use of that hashtag in that context, I understand what that person was trying to do, that you wouldn't want people to feel 
triggered by your hashtags or your content. And, but as, as a survivor of sexual assault myself, I can tell you that that was not the way I saw that. I think because in the, with everything that followed it and getting to know who you are and what you represent, and that would never be the intention of it. And so I I can kind of see both sides that it would be triggering for some people, but that's got to be really difficult as a sex positive therapist and someone that Hmm. is dealing with people that have been through trauma and to feel that, that sting of, Oh God, like. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, and I'm glad you talked about the intent, right? Because I could have easily just landed there. Well, that's not my intent. Right. right? Mm -hmm. That's not my intent. But what's more important is what is the effect of my behavior, right? Mm -hmm. What is the effect of my, what I put out there? And if the effect of what I'm putting out there is traumatizing or triggering for people and getting rid of that element doesn't um, reduce the value of the content that I'm distributing, then it's uh, of little consequence to me to extinguish it, but it could be a particular benefit to a lot of people by getting rid of it. And that's the whole thing. I think that there's so many people that can and do benefit from the content that you put out that I would hate for people to dismiss it or to, to move, you know, to not take it in because of that. And so I applaud you for, for taking that feedback and doing something about it, because I, I think that that's, you, you want as many people as possible both as a social media creator and as a therapist and a human, you want as many people to get your point as you can and to, to get that knowledge. Because I know I've gotten so much of out of what you've put out there. Some of the things, there was a couple of things at least two or three times a week where I go, Hmm, I really need to, <laughs> I really need to check myself a, a little bit and just see, you know, that whole, that bias that your brain tells you that you're absolutely right about everything that you think. <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> and yes. you're probably not right <laughs> about that. Well, thank you for, for saying that, you know, certainly the courage that it took for that person to write the message, you know, is, is where I, I extrapolate the value. Mm. Uh, you know, that person could not, they, they could have chosen not to and sat silently. But I think that their own self-advocacy is, is important to acknowledge and, and to affect change. And so I'm delighted that I have people who are willing to check me, you know, and, and offer insights that I may not be aware of. And your response was exactly the kind of thing I would expect you to write. Like it's, it was respectful and it, you know, it accepted fault in that, you know, you didn't realize, but you didn't take offense to that, to somebody speaking up and you went, oh yeah, like it was very um, self-reflective. And mm-hmm. I think that just goes, it just speaks to mm-hmm. the, the type of person that you are and, and, and how, and your professionalism on how you want to do that. Cause I think it's easy for a lot of people to just go, fuck this. Like, who are you? I'm doing my own thing. You know, don't be so sensitive, just relax you know, and that's what people love to be told is to relax. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just just do a little bit of this, the motion, just come on, just a little quieter, please. You know, (laughs) enough Gail. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Speak. 
speaking of sensitive sensitivity, you like that, right? I liked your segue. Thank that, you. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> I did do that on purpose. See, this yeah. is why. This is why I do this with you. <laughs> I took a quiz that you sort of challenged people to take about being a highly sensitive person. And do you do you by any chance recall what the maximum score on that quiz? on that test was like what qualified you as an HSP? Yes. Okay. Like whether you uh, are one or not. It's a, a score of 14 or above, I think. Yes. Out <laughs> of, out of like a possible 27, I want to say, but I could be wrong. Okay. So I got a 24 <laughs> <laughs> and, and no Yay! one, yes, I know. what do I win? I... And no one was surprised. No, no. And you, I'm, I don't know what your score was, but I'm going to assume it was above 14. Mm-hmm. So I'm all of a sudden very interested in what all of that means. Can you tell us about highly sensitive people? And, you know, I think if you look up sensitive, you'll often see weak or fragile. Right. And, you know, when somebody tells me, oh, you're just being too sensitive, I would always take that as like, uh, well, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. So can you tell us about that, about highly sensitive people and, and what, what are some of the, the features of that and how that plays out in a relationship where maybe you are with a partner that isn't a highly sensitive person, or if you have two highly sensitive people. Right, right. Oh, right. Are we the mixed one? We are the mixed <laughs> <Okay>. couple. <laughs> Did you, you take what? your score? I did, but it was like a like an eight or a ten or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it was, so it was very different than. I than, love you anyway. That's okay, but yeah. we are in a mixed mm-hmm. sensitivity relationship, mm-hmm. I guess. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we make this work? Well, so highly sensitive person, which is the, the popular label for it, you know, in in the literature, it's um, high sensory sensitivity. So if you Google high sensory sensitivity, that's what you'll find also in the literature. But highly sensitive person, I believe, and so welcome to the community. Yay! I'm so glad to have you. Sorry, I'll, uh, I'll yeah, I'll just I'll just right. frame. <laughs> I'll bring you home some cookies Thank from you. the meeting. Uh, <laughs> HSP is a superpower. Woohoo! It is a superpower. So approximately 25% of people, or 20% of people rather, score in that HSP range. And it seems to be equally distributed among men and women. So HSP comprises primarily of, of four characteristics. Those are depth of processing. So you think about things deeply. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a check. Over arousability, right? Over arousability. That means you just get that felt sensation of being overwhelmed and it can be sights, sounds, smells, et cetera. Uh, Emotional intensity. So you just feel things intensely, Mm. whether it's looking at art or to me, I am such a crier at yeah. movies Ooh, yeah. that I'll watch a movie and, and I might be sharing it with my sons and, and they didn't watch the movie, but if I'm describing it in enough detail, they'll be like, um, did you cry? <laughs> 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 and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, or watching, um, I assume you have a Canadian Got Talent or America's Got Talent. I don't know if mm-hmm. you watch them, but the golden buzzer moments 
Okay. Tears, 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 tears. <laughs> right? Tears, tears, tears. So, and then the last one is sensory sensitivity. Okay. Sensory sensitivity, meaning you might be that person that notices that ticking clock in the other room at the other side of the house that no one else hears, but you hear it and it's annoying you. <laughs> right? Or- Oh my uh, God, I love this so much. <laughs> walking into a room and you, the first thing you see is that the picture is out of alignment. <laughs> Right. And you, you feel almost this internal restlessness to go and kind of fix it. Yeah, I have that. Yeah. <laughs> so that, it's either that or OCD. It's one of it's those, one of those yeah, two. Yeah. Like right. I, in my powder room, there's a there's a uh, like a painting on the wall. And if it gets out of skew because my kids have been in there or whatever, I like I can't. I just I see it immediately. And yes. Like, nope, yes. That's got it. Like just kind of reach behind me and go. Yeah. Okay, good. We're like <laughs> reset. You know, mm-hmm. do you need to have all of those or does to, to be considered a highly sensitive person or is it varying degrees of that that help attribute to that score? That's exactly right. So it shows up differently in different people, okay. right? Depending and because it is a, it is a bio temperament. So not only is there the, the nature aspect, mm-hmm. but how our nurturing, how, how our parenting it, can, can really affect it. So for example, an HSP child that grows up in a dysfunctional family is more negatively impacted by that dysfunction than a non-HSP child also raised in that family. Mm. Conversely, an HSP child that is raised in a highly functional family is more positively impacted by that environment than a non-HSP child also raised in that same environment. So that our environment can have a huge impact in the expression of our HSP, particularly for males. Mm. Males, you, you know, in a traditional Western society, it, uh, society really suppresses sensitivity among, mm-hmm. among males. That's why often when I have uh, uh, males take that HSP test, I have them also take the child version. So how were you wow. as a child before you got all of this domestication that right. uh, resulted in that, that suppression? And sometimes that will tr- trigger you to score in that positive range. Mm. Mm. That's interesting because yeah, boys are more likely to to be told, you know, just rub some dirt on it, you know, don't like. That's right. Don't right. Don't, oh, don't cry. Don't don't just relax. So just calm down. It's right? something that like I have I have two boys and you have two boys. Mm-hmm. I also have a daughter. I have two boys. Yeah, you have two boys, and <laughs> I'm very I've been very very conscious about their emotions and not using language that was very common when I was a child about like you know suck it up yeah the whole be a man thing right mm-hmm. like boys don't cry all of that kind of stuff and so i try to be you know let them feel their emotions but also help them find boundaries to it as well like an appropriate expression and do those kinds of things because i don't want to be tamping down something that they need to express or feel mm-hmm. and it's that balance between like what's appropriate what's an appropriate reaction for a situation versus what might be just something you know for attention or or some kind of negative reinforcement that's coming out of that so yeah it's interesting you say that 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 Mm -hmm. because of the culture we have that tendency to try and suppress that Mm -hmm. sensitivity and how you find that balance right and for males 
Uh, in particular, the evidence suggests that HSP boys tend to be the least favorited of their mothers. Wow. Really? Yes. So there's this almost preference towards non-HSP boys. And, and some uh, speculate that it's because the mother intuits that it will be a much more difficult life. Mm. Right for that HSP boy. So just push him out of the nest. <laughs> get rid or, of him. or to to somehow d- damp down that sensitivity, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But in terms of human evolution, and and you'll you'll appreciate this within a con- cultural context, a lot of HSPs gravitate to certain disciplines, such as HSPs would be your shamans. Right. They would be your elders that would hold high, high positions within communities. They tend to be your artisans, right? Uh-huh. Healers in general, you know, a lot of therapists are HSPs. And so you find that, that certain disciplines have a greater abundance of HSPs than, say, for example, engineering uh, right. uh, would have. How does that play out in relationships? where you have in in couples where you have either two HSPs or one or the other that is, and the other one is not. You you must see a lot of everything in your practice. Sure, sure. The, the, um, of course, it makes different how literate they are about the HSP concept, right? right? The more literate they are, the better it is. I, you know, going to an amusement park, this, I remember this a few years ago, we went to a, a local amusement park and, in preparation, I said to my gang that uh, I suspect that while I'm there, there will be a moment where I will start to get really quiet. That does not mean that I'm having a terrible time. What it means is that I'm entering into conservation mode (laughs) so that I can stay present during the rest of the day because that has so much stimulation Mm. All the noises, all the colors, all of that stuff, stimulation, stimulation, overload, that my body just naturally begins to go into conservation mode. So the reason it's important to share that is so that other people don't take it personally. 80% Mm -hmm. of the world are not HSPs. Mm -hmm. So they may see that (laughs) HSP-ness. They may see the HSP-ness. Coming out. I just got that now. <laughs> <laughs> and personalize it, right? And so educating the non-HSPs about how that, how you show up in the world so that they don't take it personally is a huge deal. Otherwise, they um, will take it personally. HSPs, for example, can be highly critical, right? We can be highly critical because we see things that seem out of place right? Oh, that's not right. You know, that's it. So we will say things that are are self-evident to us, but others may see it as somehow judging them. Right. And they can appear, you know, judgmental. And so it's a both and, right? The HSP learning about how they show up in the world and their non-HSP partner learning how it, what it means to be HSP. Now, if two people are HSPs, well, then there's just this natural uh, inclination to understand each other. Okay. So it's a good match then to HSPs? Yes. Yes. In general, it can be a good match. You don't just have two people crying on the floor all the time. (laughs) 
the lips are holding each other. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on which movie they're watching. Same time next year. Oh my god! <laughs> Have you ever seen that movie? No, no. Oh my gosh, it's an old movie with Alan um, Alda, Alan Alda, and Ellen Burstyn, and it's okay. a play ap- adaptation. I believe it's from like 1979 mm-hmm. or whatever. Just make sure you have the box of tissues yeah oh my god <laughs> yeah make sure, please make sure you have it because and yeah. and please let me know what you think because i you know it's funny for an for a not sensitive not a highly sensitive person you cry at a lot of oh movies. i sob in movies man yeah. that shit gets to me and, all the time and i think after that i think we cried for about 15 minutes after it was over it's like new year's eve or something like that <laughs> it was like tears it wasn't even 2020 new year's eve no where <laughs> you'd expect everybody to be crying but anyway okay so so two hsps are good because they can understand each other and they see the world in a similar way right. and they don't they don't seem critical of each other it's just observational and just please fix that before i crawl out of my skin kind of thing right that's exactly right so i was once in a long-term relationship with someone and for whatever reason we could be having a conversation and the pitch of the person's voice just oh just <laughs> rated against my ears and it had zero to do with what they were saying. Right. It was totally independent. But And then what happened with, with, not with my first son, but with my second son, the pitch of his cry <laughs> was such that I would change his diaper with these earmuffs on <laughs> because it was just too much for my nervous system. Mm-hmm. Again, my oldest son, his cry didn't have that similar effect, but it was just that kind of pitch of it was just oh my gosh so for me my hsp shows up really in sounds other people it could be sights smells so when i hear you know it's with those golden buzzer moments it's not it's the music that really triggers me Mm. so in the movies it's often the music that Mm. my body just gets really wrapped up in it and then i have this emotional uh, response to it so having a partner who understands, I'm not saying shut up because <laughs> but it, it may be you're just having an allergy and something that affects the voice in the way that that can. And I just need a moment to, to de-escalate myself. <laughs> it's not what you're saying. It's just the whole way you're saying it. That I yeah. right? now, now you're talking. You made a face while he was talking about noises. Yeah. Do you have something you'd like to share that, about that you and I, I have a thing. You have a thing. Oh yeah. I somehow developed, <laughs> I swear to God for the first 39 years of my life, this was not an issue, but I'm a loud swallower when I drink, <laughs> I gulp or something. He's a gulper. Uh huh. And it drives me nuts. Like she just can't like when we're talking, cause we don't live together. So we spend a lot of time on the phone and there's something about like those AirPods. I don't know where, like where the, the mic, mic is, is right here. It might as well be like right in your throat the, for, for the kind of irritation it causes. And I'm like, I'm legit trying to like, I'm analyzing the way I swallow liquids now to try to out like, what is it? It's gotten a complex. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it a speed? And is he, it a capacity? And he'll go, is that better? And I'll go, ah, oh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's real. So I, I completely identify you with irritating 
sounds and yes. tones and pitches. I totally get that. And I am also a very emotional music consumer, yeah, right? you know, but it's, it's, it's just so funny. See, it's not just me. No, it's not just me. It, <laughs> listen, you're just lucky. I like the tone of your voice. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, I want to, if I may just add a, another layer to this, because there's also a type of temperament called the over-controlled temperament. Okay. And there is a, I think there's a lot of overlap between the over-controlled and the HSP temperament. I'm not exactly sure how yet, I'm still massaging it. But with the over-controlled temperament, that temperament is one of a rule orientation. Hmm. So in essence, it's this felt sense that there is a right way that the world should be, must be, and have to be. And if it's not that way, there's there can be this inner experience that the uh, over-controlled people love to use the word frustrated. <laughs> I'm frustrated, right? Okay. Uh, versus under-controlled, which is another temperament, and that's mood-oriented. So there's mood-oriented and, and, and rule-oriented, and neither one of them is good or bad. It's not that way. It's just about how you show up in the world. So with that over-controlled temperament, again, it, that being a, a rule orientation, there comes these other characteristics such as risk-averse, threat-sensitive, rejection-sensitive, right? Mm. That often uh, over-controlled people have a very long fuse. <laughs> they see that it got lit and they're spending so much time put, trying to put out that fuse because they know that they don't like to show that they're upset. You know, they, an over-controlled person can be angry, anxious, but out in public, no one would see it. They would, no one would register. They have perfected the poker face. But if it gets too close to the dynamite, it will explode. And it usually will only explode around people who are close to them right? Children. Because they're, because they're rejection sensitive and they're That's figuring exactly. that people that love them won't reject them for showing who they are. That's exactly right. And they tend to be highly conscientious too. So they're also very concerned. I say they, I'm over-controlled too. Anybody who has a doctorate is also over-controlled. <laughs> uh, Guilty, I guess. <laughs> I say that, you know, with some jest, but the ability to Hold inside that kind of intense affect is also because of a, an allergy to vulnerability, mm. right? And so there can be some impairment within intimate relationships in having that kind of intimate connection, right? Because vulnerability requires that intimate connection. And so during fights, what you find happening with over-controlled people, and I suspect with highly sensitive people, is that because it it's so overwhelming. They just have this blank face. They just kind of shut down, get quiet, right? And that can be that can be very triggering to the partner in that it the partner experiences it as abandonment. Mm. Would would these be the kinds of people that most lay people would would describe as emotionally unavailable? Yes. Yes. I think that's kind of like the buzzword that you would hear, like right. what you're describing sounds like that's how people mm. would describe them, where they're just, yes. they, they can't reach them, they can't connect, because like you say, they have that curtain that comes down, and it's all about protection. Right, at the extreme of that over-controlled, again, you know, I, the, there's a lot of, it's, it's not about good or bad, but at the extreme of it, you would see things like anorexia, mm. you would see things like autism, 
or schizoid personality, paranoid personality, those uh, obsessive compulsive personality yeah. disorder, yeah. that would be at the very far end of that continuum. Of course, most people aren't down there, right? Mm -hmm. But it can show up in relationships where you go behind your partner and reorganize the dishwasher because you believe that there's only one right way to do the dishes. What are you, no, what are you looking at me like that? <laughs> Get out of my head, Dr. Murray. <laughs> it's not that there's only one right way. There is the most efficient way to load the dishwasher. Of course. It's not oh, that there's right or thank wrong. You. Thank you for that distinction. Just, just to be able to put the most number of dishes in. That's all that that, that means. I feel like this is turning into a personal counseling session. Yeah, wow. <laughs> this is for the people. Such great examples, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really or, or for me, with my children, I love to cook. And, and for years, I would not, not let anybody in the kitchen until after it was done. And I prepared their plates and I bring it out in beautiful display. Right. But then it dawned on me that what people really want is to feel connected. And so I had to give up that control of feeling, okay, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I used to be like, I can't let you dice up that onion because there's only one right way to dice an onion. And I don't <laughs> trust that you know how to do it. Right? <laughs> and then the whole dish is going to be ruined. <laughs> uh, but the image is my son's wanting to flip pancakes <laughs> and my mind being like, oi, uh, if they flip them, they're just going to make a huge mess. Right. <laughs> Right. So that internal dialogue, though, is what is the bigger takeaway in this moment? Right. The bigger takeaway is that they get to experience what it's like to flip the pancakes. Mm -hmm. So I will say, here you go. Go ahead and flip the pancakes. And I turn my ass around so I don't have to see the carnage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to so, leave the room for a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so would you say that there is a lot of a lot of overlap between the highly sensitive people and the over-controlled temperament? You're saying that like, it's, it's like not quite a Venn diagram. There's a lot of overlap or you're saying that that needs to be uh, researched a little bit more. I think, I think uh, it does need to be researched more. I think there's an, a rich opportunity for someone to explore how those two temperaments, if they do overlap or, or are they in fact measuring the same thing is, right. is what I'm wondering. Because if you are in a, if you are easily overwhelmed, it's, it's likely that you'll want to create systems in your life to give you that felt sense of control. But at, but what happens that carried to the extreme, it leads to a challenge in developing important intimate relationships with others. Right. Right. It's like, I can't let you in because you might disturb my space. But I also recognize that I spent my whole life feeling like I didn't belong. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a very common statement among over-controlled people people know that, that, that I'm, I'm not like other people. And so it's this, this, I want to be a part of the community. And yet I always feel like I'm outside of the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think HSPs often feel that too, when you're 20% of the population, right? You don't, you, and you live in a world that isn't catering to that high sensitivity. You can often just feel like you're on the outer edges. No, and I think that I think that's true. Certainly for me, I, and we talk about this all the time, mm -hmm. is I get overwhelmed very quickly with social interaction, especially right now yes. when you're when you're just not used to it and you're actually happy just 
puttering around your own space and with your favorite humans. And, and so when, <laughs> when you're forced to go out and reckon with the craziness that's out there right now, it doesn't last very long. I don't last very long. I came back yesterday, just out of my yeah. mind. And it's just, it's so interesting that you talk about that, about how controlling like that over-controlled temperament where you are risk averse and rejection sensitive because if you are a highly sensitive person on top of that, if you finally do trust somebody to let them in and then you kind of go Bleh, with your sensitivity all over them, right? And so you really have to be choosy about who you show that to. So it, it makes a lot of sense that there is some overlap there, because especially when you say there are people that are very well versed in that temperament and what it means for them and how they show up. And I wonder if, if they develop that over-controlled temperament to protect themselves from everything. It's, it's su such a fascinating concept to think about all, mm. you know, those, those two temperaments and how they, and, and all the rest of them too, how they, of course, I find those ones interesting because they're, they're me, but, um, but, and some of them are you, but yeah, that you're, you're so right. How, how that, how people show up is so interesting and varied and how easy it is to misunderstand each other because of the way we're just so, I think we're just so hardwired to take everything so personally. So like, what is the, what is the advice that you would give to people like myself who love highly sensitive people? What, it, what's the kind of strategies if you're in one of those mixed relationships where the both partners are not HSPs, what sort of counseling or advice would you give to be able to better understand that HSP and to better support them in the, the kind of ways that, that they experience the world? Sure, sure. Well, certainly, if you go to uh, hsperson.com, Elaine Aaron, Dr. Elaine Aaron, who is the, the premier uh, researcher on that concept, she has a, a listing of therapists like myself who's um, research the construct and then passed an exam for uh, working uh, with uh, HSPs. And so you can get a list of providers who have particular competencies that you can trust have particular competencies. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are many therapists out there who, who can work with HSPs, but in, in that you, you can find that list. Also, uh, Dr. Aaron has a book called HSP in Love that you can uh, take a look at, which really describes that HSP Mm -hmm. uh, temperament in relationships, whether it be with a, another HSP or um, a non-HSP. And again, that education that helps you to see, oh, yeah, this, this, this describes me. This isn't personal. This is a manifestation of my superpower, mm -hmm. right? That I can be highly, and I can be in an environment and just pick up energies, and that sounds a little woo woo, but it's a, you know, I, that I'm just uh, uh, able to pick up those energies. You know, what has it, it's been what 30 years now that we, we uh, really got to understand the concept of mirror neurons. Okay. Right? And I suspect that HSPs just have a much more in tuned mirror neuron response. So for those, for those, of us that for those people that don't understand that don't know what that concept is, can you just explain that real quick? What mirror neurons are? Yes, certainly. And 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 I am not a neuroscientist, uh, and so I'm going to be very 
basic in this, but neuro, mirror neurons are the part of our neuro, neuronal network that when we am, am observing another person, say pick up a glass, those same parts of our brain are mirroring that action. And so that we, can, we, we can have this interpersonal neurobiology existing with, with people in our, uh, in our lives. And so I suspect that some people are, you know, just, you know, there's a, there's a, a bell curve, right? Some people are just going to be highly sensitive to picking up those social cues. For example, there's this uh, idea of micro expressions. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there's an, an exam that you can take this online test that you can take where you're getting these pictures and they're just flashes very quick. And you're to detect what are the, the major emotions that are being projected in that very quick, I score above average in the ability to do that. And I think that part of that is that HSP element, that ability to notice subtleties, hmm. right? And then to quickly reference that in, in, you know, um, for example, I remember one time someone said, uh, how did you become such a good therapist? And the first thought I had was I had alcoholic parents, mm. right? Because yeah. when you're raised in that environment as a child, you have to be very quick to be able to identify the imperceptible clues that are coming off of them to then adjust your behavior. So that ability to read and respond, read and respond, read and respond, and time being of the essence you get really good at being able to read people and then respond accordingly. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, and, and to notice subtle changes in mood or behavior. I mean, not, it's not something that you would want for anybody else, but it certainly is, a, you've certainly turned that experience into a positive for you and that you're able to read nonverbal cues of, you know, people that you're counseling, because they're not always, you know, like, like Dr. House always says, people, everybody lies, mm-hmm. everybody lies. And sometimes you have to be able to, to read what they're not saying. So that's, that's, right. that's really interesting too. It, and, and I, I would imagine that these are your people watchers. Yes. Where they just do that for entertainment. Right. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. training. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And and we've done that, I think, in a lot of airports and things like that, where we, we play this game. I don't know if you've ever played this game, Dr. Murray, where you're somewhere and you're spending some time people watching and you're trying to figure out at what stage of the relationship they're at. Mm. Where you're at a restaurant or something, you go, are they on a first date, second date, second, last date? Which yeah. one is it? <laughs> like, And it's it's really fascinating to just watch people and their body language and their micro expressions and even something as simple as where their eyes are going. Yes. Or I've been uh, out and about and how a person would look at their spouse just was like, oh, this is a domestic, there's domestic violence in this relationship. Wow. Right. And you just get filled with that kind of dread. But of course, you know, there's, as a scientist, the other part of me says, but how do I test whether my perception is linked to reality? Right. right? Yeah. You so can't just be... walk up to random people and say, Hey, I'm just wondering if there's domestic violence mm. in your relationship. Here's my card. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. So, so I want to, you know, I think it's important to have some humility there that, that, yeah. you know, I can't absolutely be sure, but it is this felt sense of, Ooh, that energy there. And it was just a very, just a, just a fraction of a second, but it was there. And then you just, it, it's something that I see in B when we are out or when we're interacting with people, I can see the way that she perceives things and, and the extra level of intensity that, that you, that B goes through and you kind of want to just, just like, no, it's okay. I got you. Like, you know, just, <laughs> just kind of hold on yeah. and make sure that, that they're okay because they are experiencing another level of that interaction that somebody who isn't an HSP isn't. And when you can recognize that, yeah, like you almost go into that, that kind of protective mode, right? I think the nice thing though, is when you have a healthy relationship, a healthy mixed relationship, and you know, with a, an HSP and a non-HSP is to trust that sensitive person when they say it's time to go, or this is a bad there's a bad energy here or this is, and I, I know what you mean by sounding woo woo, but I also know what you mean by picking up energies from yeah. people, from situations, from places. And sometimes it's like when you, when you, it's very much what you were talking about as a superpower. And if you have a partner that understands you're not just being manipulative and saying, I just want to go mm, now mm-hmm. to say, this isn't, this is not it. it I think it helps a lot if, if you have a highly sensitive partner to believe them and trust them and honor yeah. those feelings that they have because they're not, and they can't even explain it. It's like asking really smart kids to show their work with their math homework. I can't explain to you how I, I know. The steps, but I just know. Yeah. I'll share with you something that's just between us. Okay. <laughs> should, we, should we pause? No. <laughs> Which is, uh, uh, this is the only way I can explain it. So uh, occasionally I'll be on the treadmill at the gym and I will be watching the TV monitors because this is pre-COVID, but I'd be watching the TV monitors and, and, and all of a sudden I will look at the person's face and I will hear their voice. My auditory cortex gets activated and I will hear the voice that I am reading their lips, right? Mm. I hear it in my head. So that, so that same experience sometimes happens when I'm sitting with a client and I have the felt sense that I'm hearing their thoughts. Mm. Now, of course, I know I'm not hearing their thoughts, right? right? I, I know that I'm not, but I have a felt sense that I'm hearing their thoughts. And then what I've now have done is uh, I'll just say, I, I just had a tap on my shoulder. Can I share <laughs> with you what the thought is? What I'm getting out of that. What I'm getting. And I share it with the person and invariably they'll say, that's exactly right, but I've never told you that before. Yeah. Some kind of variation. Now, the scientist in me says that people aren't that complex and that I, like a chess player, have memorized Mm. all of these plays over the course of my 20 years as a therapist and then... 20 years prior to that, just being on the planet, right? Mm. And I've recorded all of these patterns in my brain. And then once I see the pattern and it gets activated in my brain, I have this felt sense of, oh, I've seen this before. Mm. Let me offer this up. 
and then it, 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 the response I get, of course, is that sense of entunement that client feels like, wow, I've really gotten them. And it can feel kind of supernatural in the moment, but I'm not yet sure what it is. I can just describe, you know, I don't know how I do it. <laughs> I, I like, I like superpower as the, as, yeah, the as the explanation. I think, I think that's, that's the best explanation. Well, and when you're trying to connect to a client or a patient in that way, like that, I, I imagine that that smooths over a lot of the next sort of level of work that you're going to do with them when there's that understanding between both of you like that. Mm -hmm. So I, mean, I think you're right. And I don't think it's an accident that there's a high proportion of HSPs in therapy and in counseling and in those kinds of caring fields, yes. because that intuitiveness is just helps to, to break down as, all those barriers. Right. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Well, you know what? Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for helping us to understand highly sensitive people and the over-controlled temperament and all of those different things and, and the interactions. I hope it helps people understand their HSP partners or their HSP selves yeah. a little bit better. Just load the dishwasher however you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll only yes. do that at my house. How about that? That's exactly right. Just load it any way you want. Just That's let right. me flip the pancakes. There you go. Just let me do that part. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much, Dr. Murray. You're so welcome. So did you want to finish your sentence now? Well, yeah. I mean, one of the reasons one of the reasons you wanted to talk to Dr. Murray, yes, was because you took his HSP quiz. Well, it's not his, but it was No, but he he posted it. He yes, posted he did. Thing. He did. Yeah. And and as you guys heard in the episode, it turns out that not only is B an HSP, she might be the HSP. <laughs> Like I'm not I sure. I scored pretty high. Yeah. Like you went to the end. You got a PhD in being an HSP. Ooh, wow! All the acronyms there. But yeah, like it turns out that I'm very happy with my giant HSP penis. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It took me a minute, like a legit minute. You were like, "Oh, I, I get it." And in my head, while you guys are talking, I'm like, <laughs> HSP penis, HSP penis. Oh, HSP penis. Yeah. And I kind of circled back again when it was like, oh, you got some HSP, big HSP energy. I was like, yeah, that was pretty I, was, good. I was clued in at that point. Is that, was that your sign to everybody that you had finally was like, gotten the joke? In case everyone was worried I didn't get the joke. I'm with you. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Dr. Murray. Where can people get a hold of us? People can get a hold of us on our website, www.cheatingonfear.com. You can send us an email to info at cheatingonfear.com. We have uh, accounts on Twitter and I was going to say Facebook again, but we don't. It's no. Instagram. Yep. Owned by Facebook. <laughs> at Cheating on Fear. Mm -hmm. And we have a Patreon. Yeah. If you enjoyed the episode, mm -hmm. give us a thumbs up. Give us a review. Subscribe. Share. All of that. All those things. You know, especially if you have HSPs in your life. Yes. That you think would be helped by this. It's, you know... Or if you are an HSP and you feel like there's something wrong with you, there's nothing wrong with you. If you feel you're seen, special. You, if you listen to the episode and you feel seen as an HSP, if your HS penis is now on view for the whole world, <laughs> maybe cover up a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. Live it loud and proud. I'm very, very proud of my my giant HS penis. Oh my God. You definitely have big <laughs> HS penis energy for sure. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.